Hey everybody, welcome back to another phenomenal episode of our podcast, Mind the Snap. I'm Zach. And I'm Brandon. And this is a podcast that I'm, we're very excited to bring to you because we're going to dive into that hip new app that everyone's talking about, Snapchatter. Uh, we break down all of the best possible lighting and professional angles for your questionable late night picks that you post to about your coworkers and then regret after your fourth glass of wine. Luckily, I hear this Snapchatter app, like it disappears the next morning. So I'm pretty excited about Snapchatter, that. Snapchatter, huh? Snapchatter, yeah. Um, we also are going to use SnapMap. I hear that that's something you can use to like stalk your significant other. Hmm. So I'm pretty excited about uh, jumping into this new app that I'm hearing so much about. So what's the difference between this app and Snapchat? I, I, it, what's Snapchat? You know, you're right. I'm probably crazy. Let's <laughs> think of something else. Uh, you mean like Marvel stuff? Oh, that's a good segue. Yeah, we could we could do Marvel stuff. Let's do Marvel stuff. What if we turn this whole podcast into a Marvel podcast instead? That's so crazy that it might just work. Let's try it. All right. Okay. So let's say facetiously uh-huh. that this is a Marvel podcast, right? Featuring the greatest ins and out. Of wait, wait, wait! Game. Hold on, hold on. The name even works because it could be about Thanos. <gasps> Mind the snap. That's You're right. right. Yes. That's crazy. This is almost <laughs> like it was planned this way. This is insane. So, okay, let's go with this. Let's follow this thread. What should we talk about today? That's a good question. What, Off the top of our heads, what if we talk about retcons and what that means? Mm, retcons. The word doesn't sound super familiar to me. Can you explain to me, like I'm someone who doesn't know what a retcon is, what a retcon is? Well, Zach, I'm glad you asked. Because you could say that this was just an example of a retcon. Mm. Yes. Where we turned our podcast into, that we gave new information to turn it into something that it wasn't before. Wow, you're right. Yeah. So we just retconned. We did. So the word retcon stands for retroactive continuity. Okay, that's the exciting version. A little easier to say retcon. Sure. Yeah. And essentially, it really just basically means that the storytellers have gone back and either wedged something in between two pieces of information that we've already seen uh, or basically found a way to explain a gap. Now, I was thinking about this before, and I think one of the best ways to explain it actually, and you know, with joking aside, um, is to cover something in the actual Marvel universe, the cinematic universe that a lot of our listeners should be familiar with. Sure. Um, so an example of, first of all, that is not a retcon that might seem like one is what happened to Samuel Jackson's eye. So initially in Iron Man, we see we have our first introduction of Samuel Jackson's, uh, you know, Agent Fury, Nick Fury, um, and we see that he has an eye patch, and it would go quite a while before we find out why he doesn't, why he his eye is damaged, and why he has that patch, and we find out much later in Captain Marvel that the reason that he has the eye patch is because of you know getting himself clawed in the face by the Flurkin. Yeah. So that isn't actually an example of a retcon because all that really is is essentially what amounts to a prequel. We've gone back in time and now seen what happened before he received the eye patch. Well, because he does mention something about it when he's asked early on in the history of the MCU, but it was something along the lines of that he was betrayed by an old friend. Right. And so that's vague enough it's that vague you can enough. explain it. Sure. Like that. I mean, could we call it a retcon? Yes. But, but it kind of rides the line between retcon and prequel. Right. Tra- tra- technically, it's not a, a retcon. Now, an example of a retcon in the MCU is actually something that we're going to talk about today. Mm. And so we'll get to that here in a minute because I don't want to do spoilers. But we will talk about Secret Invasions Episodes 3 and 4 today and how there's actually an example of a retcon in those. 
But another example of a retcon would probably be something along the lines of like, you know, finding out uh, with the Loki TV show, we find out that Loki actually, you know, we, we see how he escaped um, and how he basically handed the cosmic cube to himself, essentially, um, in in between the moments of, of the Avengers movie where that took place. Mm-hmm. So it basically took the Avengers, I think that was it, was it Endgame? Yeah. Okay. It took Avengers Endgame scenes that we saw with Loki and revisited them and then started to like force information in where we hadn't seen it before to show how Loki might have escaped and taken the cube with him um, to set up the TV show. That is an example of a retcon because all that stuff has already happened. We've already seen it. But writers have gone back in and said, well, your perception of what you think you saw is a little bit off. Here's Mm -hmm. what actually happened. So that is an example of a Marvel Cinematic Universe retcon. Sure. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, retcons were used widely in the comics. Um, yes. It's harder to find in the MCU because things are more structured now. That it's easier to pull information uh, and have information at the ready. Um, back in the day, that wasn't as openly possible. And every time a new comic came out, a lot of times when a new run started, you'd have a new writer. And when new writers, when, when a story was passed from one writer to another, often information wasn't passed the same way. And so when that happened, you had retcons or the... the, the um, actual company itself decided to change like editorial decided to change the way things were run and said we're going to make sure that this is changed Mm -hmm. and pretend it just didn't happen right and those were used a lot back in the day to change things to fit what the writers and the editorial staff wanted for that issue from what it originally was and that goes for characters origin stories that goes for events that happened that goes for um like um, costume changes and universe altering changes and just weird stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They use time travel a lot as a method of retconning and they use space travel as a method of retconning. So there's a lot of different ways to retcon. And I guess what we can talk about today is uh, how do franchises use retcons and are they necessarily a good thing or are they necessarily a bad thing? Fair enough. Yeah, and I think that what we're going to find, and we'll see, but I think we're going to find there's probably examples of good ones and examples of bad ones. Yeah. And, and I think that that's kind of going to be the case. Is, you know, it's not always going to be perfect. It's, it's an interesting technique, but there are sometimes issues that come up, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's see. What do we want to jump in with first? We want to talk about kind of um, the science behind it. Well, you, you kind, of, kind of covered that to a certain extent. Um, yeah, I mean, we talked about what they are. Um, let's talk probably a little bit about why do franchises choose to use retcons. Yeah. Well, I think you, you really hit on one of the biggest ones, which is new writers, right? Mm-hmm. I think new writers like to come in, leave a stamp, leave their mark on the story. And sometimes they feel like they either don't have the room to do so currently or they want to like pick at a thread of something that came before um, and kind of jump off into a new storyline. Um, one of the examples that comes to mind right away for me is something we just covered a few podcasts ago with the Clone Saga mm. and the fact that we r- retroactively discovered that you know this clone that we thought had died in a smokestack, the Spider-Man yeah. clone, um, had actually survived. And that's an example of a retcon where a writer in the 90s, actually in this case a group of writers, were trying to come up with some hot new storyline that would boost sales, and so they had to kind of go back and retcon that uh, to do so. The death of Ben Riley had to make it not happen yes. so that he could be alive so you can write new stories about him. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and when, so basically, I guess what we're saying about that is when the seeds are not already planted for something like that to occur, then it's considered a retcon. Yes. Because if the seeds were planted that, hey, there's a chance he could still be alive, it would be kind of still threading that line in the same way that we talked about earlier in mm-hmm. this episode. 
um, that Nick Fury's eye patch threads. But uh, in this case, it was a full retcon because they just acknowledged that he was dead. Yeah. And then changed the yep. past. Um, a lot of franchises, it's not just Marvel that uses retcons. A lot of franchises use retcons. DC uses retcons a lot. In fact, so much so that it's become kind of like over-memed because they reset their universe, both cinematic and comic, so many times and just wipe and start over that they probably hold the record for most total complete retcons of any comic series and really really came up with a term for it i mean in their case they call it a crisis because it happens so often that they've actually branded it Mm -hmm. um and you know we see the the first kind of famous one in the 1980s with crisis on infinite earths um and then you know now there have been multiple since then so in their case the new 52 deceased we're seeing a lot come up yeah yeah so in their case they've made it almost a science you know, it's an artificial way to generate sales. I really, I personally don't like the approach because I feel mm-hmm. like it's only temporary. You see a, a sales boost when New 52 launches and then basically over the next year it all tapers back to what it was selling prior to that. So, you know, jury's out on if it works, but I guess they get a year's boost in sales. It's like stirring the pot a little. When it starts to bubble, you yeah. stir it and it stops and then it bubbles again. It's the same kind of thing. You get a big boost, you stir it up, and then it'll settle back to bubbling again. Yeah. And then you have to throw in some new random vegetables yeah. and other crap. Just to make it yeah. exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So jury's still out on whether or not retcons work in that sense. Um, but, well, but I think it's, it goes back to what you're saying. It's an example of why you might use one. Exactly. So to generate right. sales. Yeah. Right. Generating sales. Um, switching over writers is mm-hmm. a great one. Um, I would say character refreshes. Um, yeah. There's definitely one prime example that we may get into here in a little bit. But an obvious one is, uh, I would say, Bucky. And what they did. Oh, there. the Winter Soldier. Yes. Yeah, that, that took a character that no one really cared about and hadn't thought about in years, aside from letting Captain America get a sad face every once in a while, <laughs> um, and suddenly turn him into probably one of the hotter, newer characters at the time yeah. um, with his Winter Soldier revelation. It's true. So I guess we can say that uh, retcons in this case can be a good thing because we yeah. can bring characters that we didn't care about and make them somebody that we do care about. Yep. Um, so franchises use retcons as a way to boost sales, a way to switch from author to author, refresh old characters, and offer new storylines. It's essentially the the uh, crux of the issue at mm-hmm. hand then. And I think if we look at it, let's look at the negative for a minute, I guess. Sure. I think one big negative, aside from just a temporary bump in sales, which results in you know back to status quo, I would say another one is probably confusion among readers. Especially mm-hmm. readers who maybe step out for a while and then come back and wonder why Bucky's running around all over the place again. Yeah. Um, you know, or maybe something that does conflict with a storyline that they're used to, like the Clone Saga, where everyone, you know, was pretty convinced at the time that Ben Riley wasn't called Ben Riley at the time, but Spider Man's clone was dead, you know, and then all of a sudden now later he's not. So, you know, you can definitely cause some confusion with some retcons. That's true. Uh, and a lot of times the retcons aren't even explained either. And so um, you have. People being like, wait, I thought this happened before. And it's added, further adds to that confusion and that, that muckiness of, of storytelling. Mm-hmm. But um, So like, there's pros and cons to using retcons. It can work in certain circumstances like it did with Bucky. It can not work in other circumstances. Yeah. Well, and I think even with Bucky, there's a risk that you undermine. So that's probably another negative. Uh, a risk that you sacrifice. undermine a character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because now, you know, his death, which was a big part of Captain America's backstory, is now reversed. Um, you know, and, and uh, we've seen some other 
sometimes short-lived, but other attempts to bring back characters whose deaths mattered. Um, and I think usually it ends up making the story kind of pointless and worse for the wear afterward. So that's, I think, an interesting point that we can talk about because we have a couple major deaths in the MCU mm-hmm. that they have a pretty fair chance of reversing. But the question is, should they? Right. Because we've lost uh, Robert Downey's Tony Stark. Uh, we've lost uh, ScarJo's Black Widow. Black Widow. Black Widow. Black Widow. Come into a western Black. town near you. <laughs> Ah, I'm not doing good on this podcast saying things because the last podcast was a train wreck. Because that, anyways, but a good train wreck. Bla- it's true. It's yeah. funny. Um, I made myself laugh editing that. <laughs> I went going back through it. I was like, oh my goodness. But anyways, I have to admit, I, I was disappointed that we lost the best part of the joke, though. It's That's true. Funny. Yeah, people will figure it out. It's probably not too difficult. But um, Tony Stark and Black Widow are dead mm-hmm. in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And so the question is, because there's been talk about bringing their characters back, and so the question one must pose is, do we risk damaging the sacrifice that they had as well? Because if we talk about that with Bucky, that his part of Cap's backstory is kind of almost rendered not as important, because Cap's like, oh, you're back anyway, so it's all good, we're right, fine. Right. Um, then the question must be asked if Black Widow is brought back to life or Tony Stark returns somehow. Um what risk does that make for the MCU and and the fact that we run into what the MCU, what the, not the MCU, but the Marvel comics have run mm-hmm. into, which is every time a character dies, people are like, because it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Because they'll come back because they can't kill a character off for very long. Right. As we'll see actually in the new section, I'm going to talk about what just happened with uh, Miss Marvel, mm-hmm. um, which is a good example of that where people, where they almost instantly are like, it doesn't matter. None of it mattered. Yeah. And so we run into that issue with retcons as well, where it's when you kill a character and you bring them back to life, it cheapens the death of that character to the point where people don't care anymore. Yeah. And I think, you know, I do think that there's a possibility that, like, Tony Stark and Black Widow, that their deaths do stick. Mm-hmm. But I think one obvious one that's not going to, that I think Marvel is doing a terrible job of hiding, is Wanda. I think Scarlet Witch is definitely going to be back. And I don't even mm-hmm. think Marvel's even really trying to hide the fact that she's going to be back. Really, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that's one that I feel like, what's the point of going through all this, you know? Well, because they didn't really even, like, insinuate that she was dead at all in Multiverse of Madness. Well, I thought they kind of did. Sort of, but it felt to me super open-ended. Yeah. To the point where they were like, this whole movie means nothing, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so anyways, it, it definitely run the risk of cheapening it, I agree. Yeah. So it's just, um, it's just something that I'm like, I don't know how, how much retcons in that sense will, will be a good thing, mm-hmm. especially now that it's cinematic and it's in movies and people are going to see them and you have to have a more structured universe than you almost do with comics. Right. Um, and so then it runs the risk of like, you have to be almost more careful, I'd argue mm-hmm. to do those kinds of things. So yeah, agreed. Mm-hmm. So do we want to go into some, uh, some major Marvel retcons. Yeah, I mean, I, and I actually kind of was thinking more along the lines of just in general. I think there's some pretty big ones that we could cover both Marvel and DC. Sure. Um, that I think are worth looking at. I mean, obviously, let's just get this out of the way first. The Winter Soldier is probably one of the bigger ones. Yeah. Um, we kind of touched on that already. Um, what What else? What do you have? Do you have some examples? Um, well, I saw one mm-hmm. uh, when you were scrolling that made me think of it. Uh, a Hoggum. Oh, yeah. Hobgoblin. was a big one. The fact that they couldn't settle on an identity for the Hobgoblin, and mm-hmm. so he just basically was retconned to be whoever they wanted him to be every time he appeared. Yeah, I mean, there's, what, like three or four Hobgoblins now that have taken on the identity. That The Hobgoblin is probably 
not a super famous uh, villain to most of our listeners unless you're deep into the Marvel comics, but certainly you won't have really seen him in the, in the movie universe. But he is essentially a knockoff of the Green Goblin uh, Spider-Man villain, more or less. But orange instead of Orange and blue instead of, yeah, <laughs> green and purple. Um, and in the comics, they definitely, originally the writer admits, the first writer that created him, which I'm going to blank on who it was who created him now. That's, that's terrible of me. I should know that. But I know you're always the one that's really good about the writers and stuff, too. Because yeah. I feel like I'm the one who forgets. But I feel like you're usually I'm, on I'm going to look because I wanted to say Conway, but I, I think I might be wrong on that. Hobby um, Lobby. That's yeah. what we were looking at. Yes, Hobby Lobby. So... See, now it's retconned to be Robert Bourne is what they're saying even on the Oh, Wikipedia. Roger Stern. That's right. Roger, Roger Stern, Stern is the right, original writer. He, he in the interviews, has admitted that he had basically no firm plan on who the identity was. That he basically did, though, heavily hint that it could have been Roderick Kinsley, who is kind of this um, side character of Spider-Man's who was a, a designer, like a fashion designer at the time. Um, and there were some hints that possibly he was Hobgoblin just because he was had some secrets and he was acting odd and wasn't ever seen at the same time as Hobgoblin at first. Um, so they did end up, you know, retroactively going back and saying, yep, that was who it was all along, was Roderick Kinsley. That has since been changed. Because, because I think when he, in the 90s TV show that you were talking about, that you liked that yeah. one from back in the day, that one, um, I believe it was Roderick Kinsley as well. They were like... That sounds about right, because it would have been in that era. Yeah, I think yeah. they just owned it. In that show, though, they weren't didn't try and change it. Yeah, the original reveal, and this was this was again down the road from when he was first created, was that it was Ned Leeds, which is a journalist that Peter Parker worked with, mm-hmm. um, and then it was retroactively moved to Roderick Kinsley. There have been several others, uh, you know, Jason Mackendale, Phil Urich, um, even Roderick's brother at one point. Um, so there's been a lot of different retconning with that. This is probably one of the most retconned villains that I know of. In comics, as far as who the identity of the actual Hobgoblin is, <laughs> <laughs> they just could not make up their minds. Yeah, so that caused a lot of confusion, which is what we we're talking about. That has the negative side of retcons is the Hobgoblin stuff was extremely confusing. Yeah, and still is, and kind of pointless. There was no reason yeah. to make it that layered. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, that's one of those things where it's like multiple people will take up the mantle, which is something that Marvel does a lot too. Is like this person's gone. But now this person's taking up the mantle because we can't think of any new new uh, supervillain. Right. So I think one of the other biggest ones probably to me and one that, again, you go back to emotional impact, mm-hmm. um, is the resurrection of the second Robin. Uh, Jason Todd. Yeah, Jason Todd. Now, for those of you who don't know, there was a pretty famous storyline called The Death in the Family that featured uh, the sidekick of Batman, Robin, um, being beaten to death by the Joker um, kind of infamously with a crowbar. Um, it was pretty brutal, and you know he he died. Well, he stayed dead for twenty years uh, in real time, uh, and then they finally decided that they wanted to bring him back, um, and so they retconned how he died, and later explained a way that basically um, that something that had occurred a couple of years prior in the comics, which was there was a, another crisis that occurred as DC often does, and there was a. Uh, a much kind of memed, I guess, this was kind of a little bit before memes, but uh, memed idea about Superboy. Uh, Superboy Prime actually mm. um, punched, basically, like, shattered the barrier between universes and in so doing caused this, like, time ripple that changed a bunch of things. And they went back later and said, ooh, we'll use that. And they said, oh, that ripple also uh, prevented Jason Todd from dying. So they kind of retconned a retcon in this case. Well, what's funny is they retconned that retcon again, I believe, in the future because I believe it was changed to be that 
he was brought back to life by the Lazarus Pit. Oh, okay. Later on. Or in a different version of himself. Yeah, because I, I know there was a version. That could be. If not that version that was brought back using the Lazarus Pit. Right. Uh, as a way to torment Batman originally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that one, you know, that one took a, a big impact because one of the things that Batman dealt with after after seeing Jason Todd killed was a lot of guilt around, you know, is this right of me to have a sidekick? Am I putting someone's life in danger? Which, let's be honest, is something you probably should have thought about with the first Robin <laughs> um, when he's got this little kid Listen, running around with him. By now, too, he's formed the Bat family with, like, all the people like Signal and Cassandra Kane right. and stuff like that. So I feel like he just, like, is just chilling on the streets. And then if he sees, like someone whose parents just died he just comes up and he's like oh that's so sad hey, hey are you athletic at all <laughs> would you mind putting on bright colors and possibly taking a bullet for me can like, you tumble <laughs> i feel like he just like goes around finding orphans and just dresses them in bright colors so that they become the target yeah and then he just brings them into fights with them yeah i think it makes sense yeah. i mean he's definitely i guess to be fair batman's thing has never been i'm a parental role model but, Which is ironic considering his entire comics history has been being a parental role model and never actually being a lone wolf, yeah. despite that being his entire thing yeah. with his original conception. Because yeah. in every version of every story, there's always a Robin, like 90% of the time. So I feel like that was definitely one of those retcons that yeah. kind of undermined that whole point. And then they they just continually retcon Jason Todd's character, how he came back to life, why he donned the moniker of the Red Hood. It's just... They, I, it's like the hobgoblin thing where they just can't really make up their mind. Yeah, on what they want to do. Yeah. yeah, I think going back to Marvel for a minute, I think one of the oddest retcons, maybe considering the fame behind this character, is Wolverine. So okay. originally, when Wolverine first showed up, the plan was that his claws, his infamous claws, were actually part of his gloves. So they were basically yeah. built into the gloves as just you know sharp hardware. Um, and they eventually retconned that to, of course, be that they're, uh, well, actually, I think it was kind of retconned a couple times because originally it was that the, the uh, adamantium came out of his skin as, as claws. Then it ended up being that actually the adamantium was covering bone and it was the bone that was coming out of his skin and then the adamantium just had been bonded to it. That, I believe, came about because of the movies. Which oh, was, was the, before that. I it think. was before that? Because I, so, yeah. I thought the movies were the ones that were like, actually, it's bone claws. Um, I know the bone claw thing, it definitely popped up around the time of the origin, um, miniseries where it kind of went back and showed like his, his youth. Mm. But I think it was even before that. I want to almost say like early nineties when Magneto stripped the adamantium off of his skeleton. Right. That was left the bones behind. That was a brutal scene too. That was, that was, but that was probably one of those like retcons that was maybe fortuitous because I feel like Wolverine is infinitely more popular because of the fact that he actually has these freaking claws coming out of his hands. Yeah. As if being a mutant with like a self-healing factor wasn't crazy enough and like right. crazy smell and hearing and stuff. It was like, nah, he's got claws. Too. Yeah. And they're ruthlessly sharp. Yeah. 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 Which is odd given that they're just solid bone. Right. Yeah. I just wonder what is, what is, and this has probably been dealt with in some sort of comic. I'm going to guess a Deadpool comic. But has Probably. Wolverine ever popped his claws in the night and like killed either someone else or himself while dreaming? Because I feel like... Well, we, we, we... I don't know about killed, but we watched it happen in the first X-Men movie. That's where true. he wakes up from his night terror and stabs Rogue. That's a good and point. And she t- takes his power so she can heal herself. That's a good point. I feel like if I were Wolverine, I'd be continually stabbing myself in the jaw in the middle of the night. 
Um, just yeah, you go up to scratch your chin, and the well, clusters or, or come even and go dreaming, through your face. You know, he's got to have some pretty horrific dreams yeah. with all the stuff that's happened to him. And True. my thought is, is you know, he's running, he's running, he's gonna pop his claws, and then he puts his claw through his own jaw or something while he's sleeping. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he's wrecked a lot of furniture. And you know what he needs? He needs adamantium gloves that he just like puts over like, like caps, like mittens mm. that he just puts over. His like hands. you know when you get. Like a new kitten, yeah, or like, or like a, a baby, kid, yeah, a baby they bite their to keep them from well to keep them from scratching themselves right. too. You put like mittens over their hands. Yeah, he just has that. He has adamantium mittens. Yeah. There we go to protect yeah. himself. Yeah, that's why he actually doesn't have that issue. Oh, see, yeah. Black Smart. Panther. I feel like Black Panther hooked him up. Ah, uh, yeah, he do be giving people vibranium for yeah. free these days. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's see. Any other ideas that you have on retcons or things that you know kind of stood out to you? I mean. There was a lot of retcons regarding Uncle Ben's death about who killed Uncle Ben. Because mm-hmm. originally it was supposed to be a nobody because that was kind of the point. Is that literally any anything could have happened. But the fact that it was an actual nobody that killed Uncle Ben right. was what was brutal about it. Right. That it wasn't like a supervillain of Peter's. It was a random guy with a random gun that Peter just didn't stop. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they retconned it to be different people. And I know in... Uh, the Tom, the Tobey Maguire movies, it was turned out to be Sandman's partner. Right. That shot him. Hey, so that's I feel a good like example they, of a movie retcon. Yeah, yeah, see? There you go. There you go. So I feel like they just, um, that gets retconned a lot, Uncle Ben's death. They also bring Uncle Ben back to life to torment Peter a lot. So there's just a lot of, like, Uncle Ben retcons, I feel mm-hmm. like. Um, I mean, the Ultimate Universe one is probably the most heart-wrenching, though. The Ultimate Universe Uncle Ben? Well, the death of so in the in the ultimate universe, the one that Miles is from in the comics. Yeah. When Peter dies, the the very last shot of Peter after he dies is him going to heaven, Aww. and like being with his uncle and his uncle telling him because he he's he's like sad and he's like they need me still like I can't I can't leave they need me uh, Aunt May needs me Mary Jane needs me and he basically tells him it's good to take a rest he's like you did everything you could and I'm proud of you hmm. and it's so sad it makes me cry many tears that is sad but um but that's like another example of a retcon is like that universe was sp- supposed to be a reboot originally mm-hmm. and so like that's another retcon that happened is they're like psych well and i think um i think maybe we'd be remiss if we didn't mention one of maybe one of the most hated retcons at least certainly for old school fans which is uh dr light in the dc universe so, mm. so Dr. Light was always one of those kind of two-bit villains um, that was just kind of a joke. He basically just, his powers were essentially he could manipulate light. And they never, he never used it effectively. It was always just like, oh, I'm blinding you, Superman. And, you know, kind of basically nonsensical stuff. You know, yeah. there's a lot of those kind of bad villains. In like the Here's 60s. my extremely bright light bulb yeah, that I yeah, used to make. Exactly. <laughs> Who knows? In a, an easy bake oven, I can make brownies. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, essentially it was like it was a dumb villain. And then DC decided, you know, in one of their crises, they decided that in this crisis they needed a big event. And so the decision was made to reveal that Dr. Light was actually a, a terribly evil villain who actually raped Sue Dibney, who was, oh. um, yeah, I think Elongated Man's wife. Um, and at any rate... Elongated Man? Yeah. Uh, or f- Who's Elongated Man? He's... He's stretchy. He's basically you mean plastic man. No, 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 no. There's the elongated man as well. 
Um, There's an elongated man? <laughs> Whose idea was an elongated like, man? Anyways, my point being is that they went back and turned him into this really kind of nasty, awful, you know, sexual predator oh. who had raped somebody. And that wow, the, the, that's the, kind of lucky, terrible. Yeah, and basically the DC, you know, masterminds got together and basically mind-wiped him to forget all that. And that that's what kind of turned him into this this really stupid villain. Um, so it was, a, it was a very dark retcon that a lot of fans felt like wasn't necessary um, to both the Sue, you know, Sue's character and himself. Oh, you know the other retcon we haven't mentioned that we've mentioned before in this podcast? What's that? Gwen Stacy's children. Oh, geez. I was trying to avoid that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. You guys can go listen to that episode. Yeah, I'm not that, touching on that. that I'm is, just saying. That's another one that people hated. <laughs> that is one of the weirder, yes, disappointing. And and ulti- again, ultimately pointless because they have now retconned away the retcon. Yeah. So the whole thing was a waste of time. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was just Norman Osborn being like, woo. Yeah. As he does. He does that a lot, actually. Yeah, he he makes that little woo noise quite a bit yeah. and waves his fingers. Yeah. 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 No one can see that right now. No. I can't. It looks. You know what it looks like you're doing? It looks like you're typing on an invisible keyboard in the air. It does not look like you're uh, like conjuring a ghost or something. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. That's probably my hands are too level. I need to like round them up a little bit so it's creepier, spookier. Yes, good analysis. I need needlier hands. You do need needlier hands. Yeah. That is something Like that... Norman Osborn. <laughs> I imagine he does. I don't know, but he has perfectly smooth skin. I, you think You think that you think he has like all, uh, oil of a lay or something Then he well, just like moisturizes at night? Well, he did somehow convince Gwen Stacy to like to knock boots with him? Did we figure out that was a consensual after all? <sighs> How can it? Because I feel like it can't be. <laughs> I mean... Who I wrote that story? I feel like that they should is, probably be in jail. I feel like that is a discussion that is not for this podcast. Listen, honestly. whoever whoever wrote that storyline should probably be in prison. I, it's definitely, uh, yeah. It I feel like that's just not okay. All right, and I think we've beaten... All the, right, let's uh, go! We have beaten the retcon topic into the ground. Yeah, so uh, retcons... Some good, some bad. Franchises use them when they make an oopsie. Yeah. And they want to correct it or, or, or to change how they've written things. Yeah, or to create a storytelling possibility, which yeah. will be the case with Secret Invasion, which we'll get to in, ah, in a bit. Yes. Yeah. Very excited. There's actually a lot to talk about in those two episodes. So we're going to take a quick break and we're going to spin off okay. into our new character bio for this week. Nice. All right. Sounds good. We'll be right back. Today on Marvel Snap, our character bio is going to be one that I've kind of looked forward to doing more research on and I've mentioned quite a few times, uh, and that would be Roberto de Costa, better known as the X-Man Sunspot. Um, and so we'll be going into a bit about Sunspot's history uh, here today on Marvel Snap. Uh, so Roberto de Costa is the son of Afro-Brazilian millionaire Emmanuel de Costa and his American wife Nina, an archaeologist. Roberto first manifested his superhuman mutant powers when, at the age of 14, he was playing in a championship soccer match for his school team in Rio de Janeiro. Motivated by racial hatred, a boy named Keller and another member of the opposing team knocked DaCosta to the ground. The hot-tempered DaCosta responded by tackling Keller, who began brutally beating him. It was then that, without being aware of what was happening to him, DaCosta first manifested his superhuman strength. His body and clothing temporarily turned black in the process, in art decision, and he inadvertently hurled Keller away from him. Confused and frightened, DaCosta sought help, but the other players and most of the spectators panicked. 
despite his girlfriend Juliana staying with him in his time of need. Roberto's powers came to the attention of Donald Pierce, the renegade white bishop of the inner circle of the Hellfire Club. Pierce sought to murder any superhuman mutants he could find and sent his mercenaries to abduct Roberto, ultimately failing but succeeding in kidnapping his girlfriend Juliana. The mutant telepath, Professor Charles Xavier, founder of the X-Men, had learned of Pierce's plan to kill Roberto and sent his colleague, Dr. Moira McTaggart, alongside Psyche and Karma to go take him back. To help to Dacosta help during a fight, during a fight, uh, a mercenary fired a shot at uh, Dacosta, uh, which his now depowered form couldn't handle. His girlfriend, Juliana, jumped in front of the bullet, taking the fatal shot herself. Vowing revenge, DaCosta himself went after Pierce, ultimately succeeding and defeating him. Roberto agreed to stay with Professor X under the New Mutants team. Even when it was later discovered that the Professor had created the team because he had been possessed by a brood queen egg seeking young mutants for future embryos. Because Marvel gets a little weird, and that's another retcon like we were talking about <laughs> earlier. Um, Roberto was a mainstay of the junior team of the New Mutants for most of his existence and became best friends with his teammate Cannonball. Now, during a weird time on Mojo World, Roberto was brainwashed, and what, was a, what appeared to be an evil persona of himself, Rainfire, uh, waged war on the X-Men. Colossus ultimately rescued him, and his teammates discovered that Rainfire was, in fact, a separate entity, and freeing Roberto from his mind control, they managed to defeat him and return their life to some amount of normalcy. During this time, the team was overtaken by Magneto, their new leader, uh, which eventually they managed to get out from under his thumb and join up, thanks to Cable, join up with X-Factor and eventually merging with the X-Terminators. DaCosta eventually, during a, during a battle with the team M the MLF, um, Sunspot managed to channel his solar energy around his body, learning to fly. He continues to grow stronger and learn how to use his solar energy to his benefit, uh, by joining the Avengers, different versions of the X-Men, and other small teams. Sunspot continues to protect the world and wage a not-so-silent war on the Hellfire Club, although now living in space with his new love interest, Deathbird. So that's a little bit about, about Sunspot, who I think uh, kind of has the potential to be an up-and-coming leader for the X-Men, because he's younger, but he's kind of on the forefront of the new X-Men push. Yeah, So. Yeah, for sure. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't know a ton about him, so that was, that was good, uh, good bio. Yeah, so we'll take a, a short break, and then we will be back with uh, Secret Invasion. We are back and ready to break down the next two episodes of Secret Invasion. We're talking mm -hmm. episodes three and four uh, on this one. So, again, we are going to dive into spoilers. Uh, so if you don't want that, go ahead and tune out now. Um, you will miss a pretty awesome Bugle Bite section, but that's your loss. Um, otherwise, we'll all go ahead and dive <laughs> in. <laughs> so what are your overall thoughts of episodes three and four? Um, Maybe in comparison to episodes one and two. Better or worse? The same? I felt like 
there were parts that were more interesting and I felt push the story along in a way that was better than episode two for sure. Um, but honestly, I'm still not super sold on the show yet. Like, I feel like it's still like there's a lot of super interesting stuff happening, but a lot of it's kind of weak at its core. Um, it definitely does not stand up to some of the other Marvel shows we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't really have the like Cold War espionage feel I was hoping it would have. It's kind of right. more of a. It's more straightforward, I guess, than I hoped it would yes, be. Yes, that's the right word for it. Yes. Yeah. Four episodes in, and I'm still kind of waiting to be blown away by anything. Like, there's been some cool little twists and things here and there, but mm-hmm. I agree. It's very just average. Yeah, which was shocking because they had the chance to do something universe-altering with the show, mm-hmm. and I feel like they were scared to, it kind of feels like to me. Yeah, I so I, I read an interesting comment that I think makes a lot of sense if you look at it in this context, which is that this script... The the one the the question was was this originally the script for Marvel's Captain Marvel two, and that they just basically went through and removed oh. Captain Marvel from the script because it does feel like she should be a part of it because it's just Nick Fury running solo right, right now. yeah and I when I saw that I was like okay that makes a ton of sense because one they took a two hour movie script and expanded it to six hours yeah. which is going to make it more dry right sure. and two the it does tie very closely to the Captain Marvel movie it is basically a continuation. Of the Captain Marvel movie, just jumped ahead to yeah, modern day. Yeah, pretty much. And it makes a lot of sense that maybe that was the original intent, and they're like, no, let's do, you know, let's do a TV show with uh, Samuel Jackson's character instead. Well, because they, you have to do Secret Invasion at one point. Right, right. And so I feel like they thought they were running out of time, and we're like, we have to do it now, and we don't, we want to do a separate TV show and do something else for the Marvels because you know money right. reasons. Well, and here's the other thing that blew my mind. This show, this six-episode show, had a budget of $220 million. That is That is movie-level budget. Yeah. And it doesn't really feel like it. No. Like, I'm not sure where the money went, to be honest. I know there are some special effects and things like that. Mm-hmm. But, but man, it just doesn't... It feels like a wasted opportunity. Most of the money went to Samuel Jackson. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it did. <laughs> His but, paycheck was too high. But it just feels like a wasted opportunity to me. Yeah, it does. Because Secret Invasion was a crazy storyline. Yeah. And I feel like they were just like, mm. yeah. And I actually just went back and reread it, just out of mm-hmm. curiosity. I even read a lot of the tie-ins and stuff, and it was so much more, you know, world-spanning for one. Like it impacted way more of the Marvel universe than this. Like this, this show keeps telling us that, like, oh, there's all these scrolls everywhere, and and like there's millions of us, and they're everywhere, and then we see like three of them. Yeah. And it's like, uh, you know, it doesn't feel like this world-altering event. <laughs> It feels like it's actually a really small corner of the world. Kind of vaguely Russian-looking corner of the world. Uh, <laughs> and that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I mean, I enjoyed some of the episodes. I thought there were some interesting twists. Probably the biggest one. Let's just get this over with right now. Yeah. The biggest one, I, I'm going to take a victory lap on this because I kind of called this in the last episode. Kind of. Yeah. Which was basically we find out that... That Vara is actually on the side of, not the side of the angels, that she is working with Gravik and some of these other scroll. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, Rhodey was acting weird, like I wondered about, yeah. and he has now been revealed as a scroll. So that is kind of what we were talking about earlier, where we said there's a retcon in Secret Invasion. That is your retcon. So what we can do is we can assume that going back, who knows how far, that you know, War Machine that Rhodes has been a scroll for an indeterminate amount of time. We don't know how long at this point, 
but it looks possible that maybe he's been a scroll for quite a while. And so, you know, maybe even through his appearances in Avengers and all these different things, he may have been a scroll. We don't know yet. But that is a definite retcon where they took a piece of information that was not there and worked it into an existing storyline. Yeah. Yeah, so that was a super interesting reveal. And I felt like one that was kind of cool, but especially with how they did it with the foggy mirror and everything. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like, oddly enough, though, it didn't have the punch on me I expected. Because I feel like for a show like that, like I feel like something about the way they present the show is like a reveal like that should be punchy. I think you know what I think it is. I don't think I don't think the reveal changed anything seismically about what was going on in the story. It's mm-hmm. not like he walked up behind Mick Fury and like stabbed him and then like revealed himself to be a scroll. It was just kind of like in chit chat. We we're just chatting, and oh look, he's a scroll. So it just didn't have that punch because nothing happened directly as a result of that revelation. True. True. But I mean, like, even just the reveal that he's not actually Rhodey anymore, you're like, yeah. where's Rhodey? Should be, like, more punchy than it was. I don't know. It do just fell think, off to me. Do you think it's because we already know where Rhodey is? Because they've already shown us that they're keeping the body? That could honestly be. Yeah. That could be it. Because they've already shown us that everybody's alive and they're just hanging on to him. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that I That could know. honestly it's, be it. You know, the other thing that I guess was, was a little surprising to me was at the end of the episode we see um, that uh, Talos... Um, is is shot um, and and left for dead. So that part I think was kind of interesting. I didn't I didn't really expect that. Or not Talos. Sorry, not Talos. Uh, Gaia. Yeah, Gaia was shot at yes right by Gravik at the very end because yeah. she tries to run from the compound right. and gets shot. And then we are like, oh, she's yeah. dead. Um, but then the next episode starts. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yes, and we discover that that Gaia had had powered herself with extremist power somehow. Somehow, yeah, somehow. Well, no, we saw how. Yeah, but is she's it, not. It, it, how it, does she know how to do that? Oh, I see. Because she's not um, stuffing. She's stuffing never. Things. She's never seen how they ran the machine. She just saw that the machine existed and was like, "I'm just gonna." Just what they don't show you is off camera. They have a couple really big pictures. That's like a uh, you know like a scroll pushing a button that says like push here, uh, and then yeah. there's another one with a lever getting turned. It just walks you right through it. Okay. Super easy. Yeah, that, that check. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, so she in also kind of what felt like a mini retcon within the TV show itself, she is like, I've actually had extremis and I'm still alive. <laughs> but then, as I just accidentally said, we also see Talos get shot. Yes. In his case, he gets killed. Yeah, in his case he did not have extremis and yeah. is now dead. <laughs> yes. Um, which that I think that scene was the first scene of the fir- first yes. four episodes where I felt like, oh, this is actually kind of a big scene. It's dramatic, it's it's got some budget behind it. Um, it was an exciting scene. Well, other, I feel like, than the death of Maria Hill. Well, I, but yeah, okay, yeah. I was more looking at it from, like, an action... Yeah, 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 you're right. That but, one, I mean, it had the same kind of feel as that scene. Right. Which was few and far between in a show that's supposed to be about a ingenious hidden takeover of the world. Right. Yeah. Now, I will say this. I do feel like it got pretty obvious that Samuel Jackson is uh, in his 70s and maybe struggling with some of the uh, stunt work that's required. Yeah, I was noticing that as well. He moves kind of like I move when I first get up in the morning. Um, (laughs) (laughs) A little little bit of a shuffle going on there instead of a run. Um, I mean, it fits, though, because he's literally an old man fighting a young man's war. Yes, correct. And I mean, I guess that's true. Maybe maybe, maybe it's actually good that they leave that in. Because I think they're leading up to either his... Because he's not in the trailer for the Marvels, right? Ooh, I don't remember. I'd have to go back. So I think they're either leading up to his retirement or his death at the end of the show. Yeah. 
And wouldn't it be funny if it is at the end of the show they his death results in his face turning back into the scroll? I was going to say that he's like a scroll and Nick at, Fury. They don't even know where Nick Fury is. Yeah, I mean they kind of already hinted at that, right? We saw the the revelation that there was a scroll that had masked themselves as him uh, yeah, prior earlier. to this. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. It's pretty. Yeah, it's just a little disappointing. Like, like yeah. I, I think we just got our hopes up too high that this was really going to be world changing, and maybe it still will. I mean. The theory behind the fact that there's a million or more scroll out there in the world, if they don't just wipe them all out between now and the final episode, um, and if they leave that hanging, then that is a plot thread that they could come back to at some point and maybe have a bigger impact on. True. But, but, but then what right would now, they hope to accomplish with the show? Right. That's the thing is this show still has the feeling of being a bit pointless. It almost plays to me – let's say they do that eventually. Let's say they come back and say, guess what? We're going to do a bigger movie that's going to address all this. This going to feel like this six episodes is basically a long teaser for the movie. If they, exactly. If they get to that point. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Because Captain Marvel 3 has yet to come out. And so it's very possible that they're like, actually, Captain Marvel 3 is the real secret invasion. Yeah. It's be like, well, so this was a trailer then. Right. We'll see. Um, maybe they wrap it up in the six episodes, and we feel differently when we revisit this in you know our next podcast. It's not looking that way because the new episode, like you like you told me off air, has like a seventeen percent. Yeah, yeah. So Zach and I haven't watched uh, episodes five and six yet. We're waiting until we actually get to the point of of the review. But I did just see today uh, that they just released the Rotten Tomato score for episode six, and it is a very low thirteen percent. Yes, uh, which is abominably low. So yeah, sounds like a lot of people did not feel like it wrapped up well. So we will be bringing that to you guys, unfortunately. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, we're not we're not sure what's going on. Um, but we're not super. I think the general consensus, if if I can speak for both of us in this case, is the general consensus is that we're not super impressed. Yeah, yeah. Wasted opportunity, I think, is a is a good way to put that. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. All right. Anything else to say on episode three and four? That was basically it. I mean, there are definitely still some good plot threads. Um, it addresses his getting old in an interesting way and his being betrayed in an interesting way. But that's about it. Not a lot's getting gained from this show yet, and that's, I think, a concern mm-hmm. when it's supposed to be, like, universe-altering. So that's yeah. all. That's our opinion on Secret Invasion as of right now without Gee, having seen 5 and 6. Gee whiz, we had uh, higher hopes for this show. We did. Yeah. We did. <laughs> and it does not bode well that the next... Well, next show's Loki, I think, right? And then, Yes. But after that is... Echo and oh, we're hearing all they, kinds of things about Echo. The, 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 the people involved with the show came out. And were like, yeah, it's not gonna be good. <laughs> That's why we're releasing it all at once. This show sucks. So have it all like a shot to the face. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, oh, Marvel, what if what has become of you? Yeah, I you know, there's a lot of fatigue setting in. We'll see. It's kind of sad. I'm yeah. a little disappointed. Marvel is near and dear to my heart, and I'm a little sad because I'm almost getting Marvel fatigue with a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. and that is so sad to me. Because it's so special to me. Well, maybe maybe there's a blessing in disguise here in the sense that the writer's strike and the actor's strike, maybe that will give them time to reassess where they're at and mm-hmm. kind of tighten some things up. Hopefully. I saw an interesting interview that, oh man, who was it? can't remember who it was, but someone was talking about one of their suggestions was that Marvel needs to actually do a crisis just like DC does in their comics and basically kind of clean house in the cinematic universe of all their heroes and kind of streamline down to like a more unified story. Well, somebody was saying that um, Kang Dynasty is the perfect time to do that. Yeah, or Secret War. Or yeah, yeah. Well, because they've already announced both, so you kind of have to do both at this right. point. Right. So like, go to Kang Dynasty and have Kang just erase the entire universe and just 
Or or yeah, or like kind of flashpoint it, where you basically yeah. like streamline it down to the essence of the characters or something, and kind of make it a real focus. We'll we'll see. I think we're pipe dreaming here, but um, it would be nice. Because honestly, seeing yeah, it's just tough. I don't know. Because you do the thing too is um, I was talking to a friend of mine today about it, and one of the big things that is hurting Marvel is they're not taking risks anymore. Right. Because Marvel used to take risks on storytelling. They used to take risks on. Uh, unknown actors to play very important roles like what they did with Robert Downey and uh, mm-hmm. Chris Evans where they made them they made them because of Marvel and I feel like they don't really take risks like that anymore right yeah, yeah. So, so we'll see don't know but hey there is one good thing coming up and that is Bugle Bites let's go <laughs> we'll be right back we will be right back with Bugle Bites Welcome back to your favorite segment, Bugle Bites. That was all. That was my intro. <laughs> you always look at me every time you say that. I don't know if you think I'm going to insult you. No, or... I think you're just going to like go off and be like, yes, everybody. Oh, like, get oh, super hyped about I need it. enthusiasm. Yeah. Bugle Bites. There it is. Yeah. It's perfect. Okay. We actually have, it's pretty jam. For surprisingly, for being in the middle of a writer strike and an actor strike, there is a crazy amount of news to get through today. There actually is. Yeah, I was surprised by that too. Yeah. Um, would you like to start us off? Get get our first news bite. I clip. would I would love to. All right. So I will talk about something that um, I don't know. It's um, it's okay, I guess. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Sounds good. Jennifer Garner. Um, there's an announcement that Jennifer Garner will reprise her role as Electra in Deadpool three. Um, and we also have seen a couple of other things out of that movie. We've seen some set photos of. Uh, Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman in costume um, and some other things. We saw a big Fox logo um, in one of the pictures, which is hilarious. Um, So it definitely looks like it's going to be a fun movie. Um, I think they're they're bringing out the the big guns as far as like the old characters that everyone kind of makes fun of now, like Jennifer Garner as Elektra. Um, I would think we may see Ben Affleck as Daredevil. I hope so. Yeah. Tobey Maguire Spider-Man would be awesome. That would be fun. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. If, I think Tobey Maguire Spider-Man is not going to be in it only because I think what they're doing is mining the parts of the Marvel universe that were made fun of and not so <gasps> much... Nicolas Cage. Yeah, as Ghost Rider. Yeah, that's a, there's just... I mean, I did just see the Flash movie and Nicolas yeah. Cage made an appearance sort of in that movie. Disgusting. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like... Super disrespectful to... Uh, what was it, Ken? Uh, Christopher Reese. <laughs> Are you done? Yeah. Okay. I'm glad you got that cleared out of your system there. I just feel like... Never mind. That's a story for another That is podcast. a DC podcast, sir. This yeah. is not a DC podcast. I just have trouble with the Christopher Reeves thing. That's all. Well, I may think you're not the only one. That's fair. But anyway, Nicolas Cage just made an appearance in The Flash, which makes me think that he may be open to making an appearance in Deadpool 3 as well. It seems like he's... As Ghost Rider would be sick. It seems like he's okay kind of po- poking fun of himself, which I appreciate. He's done it before in a movie or two. So, I'm you know... I'm way to mess talent. He's Yes. Correct. And really anything that he pretends is serious and the rest of us know is not serious. That like, he's did you see that he's in Dead by Daylight now? They added him as a playable character playing himself. Well, no, that's not really quite what I meant. Hilarious. Okay. I more meant like movies, you know, like Next and all his other horrendously oh. bad that should have gone straight to video type movies. But anyway. Yeah. What are you talking about? Next was a terrific movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> so anyway. Um, I think we should probably talk about um, 
the new news regarding a the the strike of the Screen, screen Actors Guild. Um, that's inciting further delays and forcing current productions to a grinding halt, promising a standstill of new content. All current filming projects have stopped, including Deadpool three. Yeah. So we're at a grinding halt of everything. Yeah. Which I kind of figured. Yeah. And, and you know. I think it rolls right into the next news bite, which is the Disney CEO um, citing that there are yeah. too many Marvel Disney Plus shows. I really hope that they use this break, I really do, to kind of get their plans together and, and organized. Yeah, but Bob Iger is... Yeah, we don't talk about Bob Iger. Um, but he uh, he also, like, low-key, I've heard rumors he might be trying to sell. Oh, really? I'd be shocked if he does. I will be shocked as but well. But Bob Iger is not the best hands have disney in right now i've noticed yeah i will be shocked if he sells though yeah i think there's some but problems around the money they need to make that worth it but i'm just saying bob Iger needs to yeah, well sure take a day um yeah go ahead i'll let you have the next one. Oh, okay you. all right well thanks yeah so um Haley atwell so i think this raises a question too around how these contracts work so Haley atwell recently kind of came out and talked about her cameo in um multiverse of madness yeah. Um, and she indicated that it was frustrating, um, stating that basically this cameo wasn't her choice and really didn't serve the character of Peggy Carter very well, um, which I, you know, I can kind of understand. I mean, I don't, I, yeah. So the thing that I find interesting, though, about that statement is it shows that they truly are under contract mm-hmm. and that kind of when they're told, hey, you need to show up, they have to show up. Yeah. Um, and so it's not quite the same as like, you know, getting to have a passion project where you're like, I really want to be in the next you know, Captain America, where I can bring my character forward. And, you know, it's kind of like, no, you need to show up and... and, and well, we were talking about this the other day with some people that um, I feel like acting has kind of changed from being like, here's this movie, we'd like you to be in it, to here's a contract for five to ten movies. You're going to be in all of them because we're saying so. Right. So if you want the money, you're going to take it. Right. And you're not going to know at movie one what yeah. movie five is going to look like. Exactly. We will call you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of how that's going right now. Um, another news on frustration from the Marvel community. Simu Liu, who was in the stadium with me the other day. It's pretty cool. I didn't see him. Um, are you, are you going to explain what you mean by that? Or I was in gonna... Seattle. I was taking my wife to the Taylor Swift concert, and I found out after that Simu Liu was there, and I was kind of disappointed that he didn't come say hi to me, his lifelong best friend. I'm disappointed too. Yeah. You know, Simu, be better. Be yeah. better, sir. We love you, actually, Simu. We do. <laughs> Yo, in the Barbie movie, he did fire. He was so good. That, that was a that was a good movie, and he yeah. did a, a good job in it. We yeah. love Simu Liu. Yeah. Anyways, um, speaking of Simu Liu, this was just convenient, I guess. Um, he shared that Shang Chi two, Shang Chi two. Yeah, dust, dust yourself off. It's okay. <sighs> yep. Keeps getting delayed for reasons quote beyond his control. So I think he's also a little confused as well because. He's ready for this, and they're like, eh, eh, eh. yeah, just like that. I think Bob Eager makes that exact noise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds a little bit like a mosquito whine, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. So um, there's a lot of like stuff coming out about. I feel like a lot of people because there was that stuff with ScarJo too about her movie. So I feel like a lot of people are just kind of that are like involved in Marvel are kind of like, what is happening? Yeah. So yeah. So, uh, James Gunn. Let's talk about James Gunn. Let's talk about James he's Gunn. He's going to be a busy the prodigal, dude. The prodigal son. He, he is going to be a busy dude because he's got his whole DC thing he's got going on here. And now has revealed that he has talked to Chris Pratt about the idea of a legendary Star-Lord movie featuring Quill. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's probably, honestly, that's probably a foregone conclusion. Yeah. I would be surprised if that if we did not see that at some point in the next decade. I would be surprised as well. Because if you notice, he specifically mentioned in the interview that it was, he said, he called it the legendary Star-Lord movie. Mm-hmm. And if you watch till the end of the credits in Guardians of the Galaxy 3, the only person it says will return is Star-Lord. Right. But it doesn't say Star-Lord. It says the legendary Star-Lord will return. Mm-hmm. The legendary Star-Lord. So the fact that he specifically mentioned that in the interview as well is kind of hints that like they've already planned that this probably is happening. Yeah. Now, I, I took it at, at the time, I took it to mean that he'll probably be in like Secret War or something. Yeah. But I agree that I think it makes a lot of sense from a money standpoint to do a, a Well, there's spin-off. no saying he wouldn't be in Secret Wars. Right, right, right. But it makes sense to do a Quill movie. I think there'd be a lot of interest in that. I, I'd see it. You yeah. Know, so. Especially yeah. if it's James Especially if it's James Gunn. Gunn correct. Yeah. Um, we'll see what else we got. So this is what I was talking about a little bit earlier, um, about Miss Marvel. Uh, after the comic revealing Miss Marvel's death, which came out just a couple months ago, we didn't touch on it because I thought it was just kind of like a thing. But they've revealed that Kamala Khan has returned already, which is funny because the comic came out like less than a month ago, and then like a week after the comic was out, they're like, they well they advertised from the beginning. It was not a surprise. They advertised it yeah. as the death of Miss Marvel. Right. And then like less than a week later they were like, She's back and she's a mutant now <laughs> instead of an inhuman. Um But what's interesting about this series is it's going to be co written by Iman Villani, who played Miss Marvel in the Disney Plus show. Um which is interesting because a lot of people are actually citing uh, Iman Villani as a possible replacement for Kevin Feige down the road. Because she, they, they talk about her as having as knowing so much about the comics really? and respecting but the movies and the, the comics. But does she have the business side of things, though? That's the problem. Yeah. I'm not sure that she does. However, I will say that she has a respect for Marvel that I wish Kevin Feige oh, had. Oh, well, yeah. Um, well, that's interesting. You know, I, see, I always got the vibe that Kevin had a pretty decent respect for Marvel. I feel like he knew his stuff. But then he wouldn't have called the MCU 616 dad. <sighs> Fine. <laughs> no, Kevin Feige isn't the, bad, actually. I just feel like... W- we I need to have a good it's gotten out of control. It's gotten out of his control, right? It's spun yeah, out to be a yeah, beast. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's nothing directly related to Feige himself. Right. Because I do feel like he's trying with these. Yeah. Like, just, I don't get the vibe that he's like, make money. He, he's being asked to return. Well, yeah. but he's being asked to do that, though. Exactly. And that's what's hurting But him. it's not his. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Um, so speaking of Kamala Khan, though, can we just talk about the fact that the reason they did this is to more closely align it to the DC, I mean DC, the MCU, and the the fact that they've established that she's the first mutant, or a first mutant, not the first mutant, um, in the Marvel's TV show? I thought she had the little... No, she's she's established as a mutant. Oh, okay. So I believe that Sounds they're good. doing that to align it with the MCU. Like they did it with Nick Fury and... Right. Stuff. And Coulson and things like and that. And Coulson, yeah. yeah. And uh, Tony Stark's facial hair changing and stuff. Right. <laughs> um, I wouldn't be shocked. The show itself, the Miss Marvel show, also begins airing on ABC, becoming the first Marvel show to air on national television, which is an interesting choice, but also probably to align with the release of the comic. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean it makes sense that it's on ABC because ABC is a Disney owned TV network yeah, as well. Right, so, right. Yeah. but I mean, I'm, I'm saying for the fact that it's Miss Marvel and not like Moon Knight or Loki or right something like that. But yeah. All so, right. There you go. So, in other news, 
There is a new story trailer for... I'm just kidding. I'm going to let you do that one. Yes! <laughs> I would no, not you, take that one from you, you. You can do that one. I know no, you don't no, care no, as no, much no. as me. So. No, no, no. I have my own. It's okay. 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 I yours? just was trying to steal your thunder. Speaking of thunder, transition. Let's go. <laughs> new Thunderbolts comic is coming December 2023. Mm-hmm. So you, if you're interested in the Thunderbolts or if you're interested in seeing what they may be doing in the movie universe since... I'm I, actually interested. Yeah, and Marvel continues to show that their comics are really trying to sync up with the movie universe, so I feel like what we're going to see in the comic is going to be representative of a lot of the movie as well. Mm-hmm. Anyway, in this comic, launching in December, it will star Bucky Barnes in his new role as the Revolution. Uh, Bucky is using his newly acquired horde of intel to target some of the worst villains the Marvel Universe has to offer, including the Red Skull, Kingpin, and even Doctor Doom. Wow. The lineup is going to sound pretty familiar to fans of the MCU universe. MCU universe, I guess, because MCU universe is a bit redundant. Anywho, uh, the lineup will be Contessa de Fontaine, it will be Black Widow, it will be The White Widow, which is Yelena Belova, uh, it will be Red Guardian, it will be The Destroyer, which is Sharon Carter. Which they've already shown that they're turning her into that in yes. the MCU. It will be U.S. Agent, and then Shang-Chi, which is a little Why Shang-Chi? Yeah, that was a bit of a thrill. Homie's a good dude, what's he doing there? <laughs> Uh, so anyway, definitely I think a lot of this, this lineup is to align with the MCU. Yeah. Um, it is written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing. Um, spins out of the events of Captain America Sentinel of Liberty and then mm-hmm. the recent Captain America Cold War crossover. Uh, illustrated by uh, Geraldo Bor- Borges. Borges. Uh, so anyway, definitely interesting. Um, I'm going to check it out as well because um, mm-hmm. I like me some Thunderbolt stuff. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, sounds good. All right, guys, new story trailer. <laughs> I'm actually going to cover this one, though. New story trailer dropped for Spider-Man 2, like, earlier this week. Hype. That is very disrespectful to it looks ears. <laughs> it looks so, so good. And the shots, they finally revealed, like, full screenshots of Venom. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's sick. It's sick, dude. Because they had the gameplay trailer that had, like, the symbiote gameplay, which looks fire and they have the story gameplay that has harry coming back and miles morales's new controversial hairstyle wow you dug deep for that one and uh not really it's all over my freaking feed no i'm saying that the hyper you're like anyways keep going anyways and you know what that's not all dad because in the san diego comic-con that happened this last weekend yes. do you know what they showed dad uh, Do you know what they showed? Probably not very much because there was basically nobody there. Well, but you know what? There, you know who was there? Yuri Lowenthal. And you know what Yuri Lowenthal held up to the camera for the world to see, other than his black Spider-Man suit and doing the Tobey Maguire dance. What was that? The new skin for the PlayStation Five. They're doing oh, a PlayStation Five that. bundle yes. that has the okay. Spider-Man skin on it. I did see And that. it comes with a matching controller. And I will spend another thousand dollars if really? I have to. <laughs> Are you really? <laughs> Are you going to buy yourself another PlayStation? Listen, I was already talking about this, that when the new Battlefield comes out, my wife needs her own console so we can uh, all play together. Okay. And I'm all like, right. I'll just get a Spider-Man console. There you go. Problem right. solved. I'll support that. Yeah. And that way, I can just get it with a 2-terabyte hard drive already in it. Nice. Good plan. See? Spider-Man, guys. Freaking sick. Spider-Man. Comes out on October 10th. I've had it pre-ordered since the pre-order came out. The night it came out, Did I was like... Did you pre-order the pre-order? <laughs> I wish if, if they let you do that, you would have. I would have yeah. spent extra money to pre-order the pre-order to I'm pre-order the five dollars to reserve a chance to pre-order the game. <laughs> All right. Speaking of SDCC, Marvel announces Timeless, which is a new comic run featuring the last living superhero of the Marvel universe gearing up for a final battle. 
Also announced at SDCC, there is a new Spider-Gwen run and a street-level gang war crossover event. Let's go back to Timeless. Okay. I'm having a difficult time, honestly, caring about something like this. Me too. Timeless, not interested. Gang war, super interested. Yeah, I like street-level stuff. I like Spider-Gwen. I'm just a little confused on what the market is for people that are like, I want to see the very end of the Marvel Universe that will be immediately retconned away within a year or less. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't honestly know. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if it's, like, crazy, but I doubt they're going to do anything crazy with it. Right. We'll see. Uh, it kind of looks like the main villain is going to be Moon Knight, though. So. Oh, well. Kind of better keep an eye on it. Because there was a dude, the, the, they showed the cover, and the dude looks like Moon Knight wearing, like, How an Iron Man How is Moon Knight armor. still alive, though? At the end of the Marvel Universe? Well, the end of the Marvel Universe, the guy, the guy on that cover looks suspiciously like a bearded Luke Cage. So I'm just saying, I don't think it's as far away as we think. <laughs> so it's it is. like tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's just like ten years from now. I think they're just going to be like, you know what? This is the last comic. We're wrapping up Marvel comics. We're done. We don't care anymore. <laughs> That's right. It's over. Uh, that would actually be shocking. But um, so in some other news, there's a little bit of some talk going on. Uh, in the, uh, I think you mean continued talk. We've already covered quite a bit of talk about <laughs> negative Marvel things. This is not a negative Marvel thing. Oh, oh did you, you want to do this one? Did you want to? Oh, do I this don't one? care. I thought you were because this is kind of. Carry on. Carry I'll on. let you do that one. Okay, negative Marvel universe. Marvel sucks. Norm's King. Um, stunt- <laughs> it's kind of how we sound lately. <laughs> uh, the stunt coordinator for Echo, uh, Chris Brewster, said that the upcoming show is so bad. Marvel was reportedly going to Batgirl it. For those of you who don't get the reference, there was the Batgirl movie DC was doing, and it was completely done. And then DC Studios was like, let's just not. Let's just tax write it off. Yeah. And so it just didn't. It just didn't. The whole movie exists. Well, I think there's some unfinished parts. Special effects aren't fully done. But it was written. Most of the scenes were filmed. Like, it's pretty much done. Somewhere on a flash drive, somebody has a copy of it. Somewhere on a flash drive, there's a Batgirl movie. (laughs) Somewhere out there. It's like the Toy Story thing all over again. You remember when that happened? When they almost lost Toy Story, but one oh, person... Oh, because one person had the, the files for it? Right? No, they almost lost it because their servers got wiped, but one right, person, but one person went home it. and worked right. from home and had to copy of the movie, yeah. which is crazy that they had to copy yeah. of the entire movie on one computer, but still. I'm just saying that flash drive that has the background movie on it is worth quite a bit of money right now. Oh, 100%. Imagine yeah. being the dude who just like snuck that into your pocket. Yeah. Anyways, um, instead, the entire show is undergoing reshoots and is still on slate to air at the same time. But as we said before, it's going to be released all at once. All they're at just once. Gonna dump the which, so, which is funny because they're like, it's so bad we're going to reshoot it, but we still have so little faith in the reshoots that we're still just going to give you everything. We don't even care. Yeah. Not Does not bode well at all. No. So that's unfortunate, but it is what it is. In some other news, this one is is very interesting to me. I'm going to file this under not too likely, but it is coming from a source that's at least somewhat reputable. Um, well, I have some news on this after okay. a, a little tie back. Right. So right. go ahead and go ahead. So the the news is uh, so Thomas Hayden Church. Now he's the actor who played Sandman in Spider Man Three. So uh, like Tobey Maguire's Spider Man. Uh, yes, thank you. Yeah. So pretty well, technically, source. and Tom Holland Spider Man Three as well. So right, actually, are you done? Both Spider Man Three. Okay. Are you done? And he was also no, I'm just <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, done. I'm done. Continue. Carry anyway. On. Um, he has heard rumors that Sam Raimi is developing Spider-Man 4 for Tobey Maguire. I just want to know who he heard the rumors from. Tobey Maguire. Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that's a good question. So what's your add-on? You said okay. you an add-on. So do you remember back in like 2000 and like 8 or 9? Well, I barely remember yesterday. So okay, no. sounds good. Uh, in 2008 or 9, there was a tweet back in the early days of Twitter. Uh, tweets. Like... Yeah. like when the internet was like, what's social media? And Twitter was like, I am. 
Um, I don't think that ever happened that way. But listen, continue. in the early days of Twitter, there was a tweet by Sam Raimi. Okay. That was hinting at Spider-Man 4. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, where it was like it was, the four made moment. of webs. Right. And they were like, it's going to have Brian Cranston right. as Mysterio. It's going to have yeah, the it Vulture. Yeah, it was in hardcore development. Well, guess what, guys? What if we're about to be Rickrolled a second time by Sam Raimi? What's the... Oh, you mean like there's no actual... There's Spider-Man no 4? Spider-Man 4. Well, like I said, I, I think file this under, we'll see. Um, what if Tobey Maguire gets in on it? And he's like, here's a picture of the costume that we're going to use. And then they're like, actually, no. What's the point of Rickrolling everybody again? I don't think it was intentional the first time. I just think they just decided not to. But what's and, the point now? I guess but that's what I'm saying is it could happen that exact same way. Like, oh, I don't mean intentional Rickroll, oh, but I'm okay. saying what if the studio's like, actually, we don't really want to do that. <laughs> I mean, fair. And I then think, we just don't get Spider-Man 4. I think we need a colossal flop that is the Craven first, and then the Craven the Hunter Great movie, point. and then Sony's going to be like, hmm, we need a cash cow. Let's go back to Spider-Man 4. That's that's true, because Morbius was, Venom 2 was, and now we're getting on towards Craven, which is going to be a whole new level of, yeah. So we're getting to the point where, well, and we still got El Muerto. They're still looking oh, for El someone Muerto's to... Oh, El Muerto's going to be fire. What are you talking about? Because... going to blow up box office. <laughs> well, because Bad Bunny dropped out, they're like, well, we can get someone else. <laughs> Let's get... Who's that guy who played Zorro a while back? That uh, Antonio somebody? Let's get him on there. He'll be Dude, back. Antonio Banderas? <laughs> Antonio Banderas just, as, as this, El Muerto? I just had this picture of some white Hollywood exec only knowing, like, two Spanish people in Hollywood. <laughs> One of them they just end up casting Ryan, Ryan Gosling. <laughs> All right. Chris so, Pratt as, as El Muerto. That is Bugle Bites for today. I'm just going to wrap it up for getting more trouble. Um, but we have some news about our next episode. This, by the yeah. way, we really kind of undersold this. This is our penultimate episode. Why? Of season one. Yes, it is. You're right. You're correct. Yes. I was just wanting to use the phrase penultimate in something. Penultimate. Because Pen's oil. the next episode is going to be our season one finale. That's right. We are going to review the final two episodes of Secret Invasion, mm-hmm. figure out why there are 13% on Rotten. <laughs> but more importantly, do you want to tell them what other exciting thing we are going to do? Yeah, so before we take a little bit of a break before season two, and we have already, I can't say anything, but I really want to, we have some exciting stuff planned for season two, and we're super hyped to give that to you guys. But what's going to happen first, uh, oh, we almost forgot. What? The album came out. Oh, we, you got to hype that. Dude, okay. oh, how did I forget? Okay, everybody, go to Spotify and Apple Music right now. I will literally wait for you. Okay? Open the app on your phone. Okay? Now, for because those of you who don't know, an app is a thing that resides on your phone, mm-hmm. like Snapchatter. Like Snapchatter. And the tweets. And the t- <laughs> Okay, now we've given Anyways, enough okay. time. So now that you have Spotify open, go to the homie beta, B, the number eight, the letter A, okay? Because he just released a the all of the, the, the music that he created for our podcast that you guys have been hearing over the last, what, 16 episodes are all right now available on an album, all the full versions. So I trimmed the music to fit in the podcast. The full versions of all of the songs are right now available on Spotify, Apple Music, and like a thousand other music platforms. So they are all out right now. Go listen to them. They are so good. 
popping off. They're they're awesome. I am looking forward to giving the entire album a listen as well. That's right. So the entire first season music is on right now because when season two comes around, we're probably going to have some new music and maybe yeah. a new album release for them. But that's for later. We have some other cool stuff planned that we will talk about after our little hiatus, if you will. Yes. But what's really cool about the season finale is we're going to do a little double header, you know, old knock gen. down, drag out. Knock down, drag out, old gen versus new gen. No Father against son. Mattress. Civil War. Wait. Off the top row. I worked myself into a corner. Mattress what? Mattress Smackdown? Mattress... Why Mattress? Just, I don't know. I, like I said, I worked... My, I froze, okay? I apologize. Okay. Off the top rope, elbow crusher, okay. on the face, <laughs> trivia, combat challenge. So we are going to be doing a trivia Smackdown between the two of us to see who knows more and is going to be crowned the ultimate king of the Marvel multiverse. Yes. And listen, I'm going to have my, my Snapchatter ready. And I'm telling you what, That's right. I'm going to be on top of this, and I'm going to clean your clock. So, Well, you wish, because Google's <laughs> illegal. You can't look anything up. I'm going to hold you to that, because you're going to be under the table like, oh, Are you kidding? I can barely get my phone open. <laughs> Actually, that is not true. I work in IT. Yeah, I, I was going to say, you literally do I'm technology. I'm just leaning into the fact that I'm old. Yes. yes. So this is going to be super interesting and super fun. We're going to have be. a mix of questions, new and old, some obscure, some more mainstream. We're going to... Possibly film it. Possibly. Yeah. So we're gonna have a little screen time, maybe a YouTube channel. But that's all stuff we're, we're gonna, gonna figure bring out. In a very order. special host. Yep, we're gonna yeah. bring in a special host. It's gonna be so gonna much be awesome. fun. It's gonna be so much fun. So make sure you don't miss that, guys. That'll be our next episode before our hiatus, and we'll wrap up season one before the new Marvel stuff hits this fall. And I can pretty much guarantee that if you think you've seen a train wreck or two, you've listened to a train wreck or two in the past, they will probably, this will be the train wreckiest train wreck of them all. They will pale in comparison to what's about to happen in the they next will. This is going to be Mission Impossible, train going off the tracks, down yeah. into the ravine below, on fire, like with a unicorn pulling it or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it's going to be great. We're going to have a lot of fun. And we'll wrap things up with that. Yeah, make sure you don't miss that, guys. That's coming up. Um, as always, to stay tuned to these kinds of things, follow us on our socials at Nerds in Suits. Um, and as always, guys, you know what this means. Mind the snap. Wait, okay, wow. I was not ready for that. I thought you were going like to do one say, last Would you like to do it? What? I well, the last, but that's the next episode we're going to do one last one. You don't even know what I'm going to say. I thought you were going to do one last pimp of beta. I was all ready for that first. Okay. Follow Beta, guys, <laughs> at Beta Music. And mind the snap. Social media. Oh, come on, dude! <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time, guys. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>